Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is energy transformation through imagination. And our guest for today is Joseph Santamaria, who is the Vice President and Chief Information Officer with PSEG Services Corporation. Hey, Joseph, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Very good, sir, very good. So the reason we wanted to talk about this is because, of course, we are going through globally uh, in terms of the energy. It's not a crisis, but definitely we want to make sure that uh, we have a constant supply of energy and that led us to look for renewable sources or other alternate ways. So there's a overall um, a trend or rather a, a crusade going on towards uh, clean energy. And then we also want to have a better visibility and control on consumption. So that requires, of course, the energy industry to fundamentally rethink its processes, its systems, its people, and and so that they can meet such demands and still are able to move forward and give us sustainable energy sources. So, Joseph, the, the first question I have, because, of course, we talk about energy all the time and we say we want to talk get clean energy. Let's, let's look beyond any compliance that government may have uh, mandated or the PR. What is truly a business case which would drive a, a, a traditional energy industry or a company in energy uh, industry to go after clean energy? Well, so, so there's, a, there's, there's a number of reasons to do that. One would be to, um, you think about the traditional uh, energy markets, they are tend to be variable and you have uh, spikes of consumption that um, in some markets, I mean, I think the, the, in the United States, for instance, the energy markets are divided in, in regions and many of the regions are, have enough capacity to deal with um, spikes in consumption, but some of the regions get a little bit more stretched and that results in spikes in pricing as well, just, you know, basic supply of, uh, you know, loss of supply and demand. So during a very hot day, you may have a spike in energy consumption that results in a spike in prices. So renewables allow you to, to uh, even some of that out by, since typically, you know, you'll get renewables, especially solar, that coincide a little bit with the with the peak of energy consumption. So so that would be a good business case in terms of how some penetration of renewables allow you to shave uh, peak pricing and, uh, and and generate economic value. Now, having said that, I mean the majority, I'd say the largest uh, drive behind renewables right now is indeed a desire to decarbonize the the economy and drive. And drive towards a you know carbon-free um, future, and the way to do that uh, obviously goes through. It's going to have to be a combination of uh, renewable sources that range from hydro and um, you know solar, wind, the more traditional ones. And it is also our view that nuclear plays a role in that future, as as it's uh, you know, carbon-free energy that can be generated at a massive scale, and it's already been generated at a massive scale in many parts of the world. But, um, but that is primarily nowadays the, 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 the main driver behind renewables is the sustainability um, and, and creating a carbon-free future for, for the economy. So we, we have started on this clean energy crusade, if you will, for quite a few years. But then the shift has really taken a long time. And in many cases, yes, we have introduced new sources. But if you look at a percentage of what truly a consumer gets, is still a lion's share is the traditional carbon-oriented energy. So what prevents us from shifting sooner because we are depleting the core resource because perhaps that's where it started because we were afraid we will lose all the 
the carbon-oriented sources and then we'll have no energy source. But then why is someone not moving to it? Is it not that we can generate enough energy through the alternate sources? Well, I think there's a number of reasons. Um, you said very well that the what you would call renewable energy, wind, solar, in it depends on the area in parts like Spain, Portugal, Germany. Uh, they, they have a much higher penetration here in the United States. It's um, it's still relatively low. The most states have what's called renewable portfolio standards, where they want to achieve their different goals, like you know, 20% by 2020 or 50% by 2050, 50% by 2030. That each state has different goals. The Going back to your question, in terms of why the traditional removals are a small percentage, there's a number of factors there. One, one is just economics. While you know, removals get getting cheaper and cheaper, uh, um, you know, for the most part, they 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 would struggle to compete with already built generation, right? So so to spend capital investments building something that replaces something that's already built. Is um, you know it's not always a good economic value proposition without without a government intervention. Second, many times, the uh, if you think about the where the where you would put wind farms where the wind blows is not necessarily very populated uh, area. So you also have to build transmission lines to take that you know build those renewable farms wherever you're going to place those. Whether those are large solar farms in the middle of the desert or um, you know, wind farms in in large uh, you know mountain ranges. There's typically not large transmission lines that that would bring that energy back into loads in cities and consumption areas. So that needs to that needs to be put in place. Um, there's also politics. Right? There's still different political interests. So, so different administrations and different uh, states have different views and goals. So there isn't really a a, a very consistent unified a vision at the federal level or the country level in terms of what needs to get done. So that creates some uncertainty in terms of uh, investments and that, that also contributes to, to some slowdowns. And then the last thing I'd say is if you think about distributed energy, it brings, if you think about the energy, at least the electric um, network today, it's a pretty linear network. It's it's a very predictable model where you have a generation source, you have large transmission lines, you that that take that energy and that power to um, to consumption areas where it gets distributed through a distribution network, and then it goes down into homes, industries, and and, and customers. So that's a very predictable model. Once you start once you start introducing more and more renewables, that predictable model starts to become more variable. Wind doesn't always blow. Uh, so, you know, there's clouds and all these things we've heard about. So, and that's where technology plays a role. You know, operating an electric grid that is very predictable needs a data set that is very different than the data set, the, the, the insight, the responsiveness, the real-time data that is needed to operate a grid, the grid of the future, there's going to be way more variable than the one we have today. So there also have to be some infrastructure investments made by utilities to um, to be able to process, you know, to move towards the grid of the future or adapt renewables at, at scale levels that we haven't seen today. And then finally, you know, the, the pricing, um, you know, the different, the transmission and distribution at the state level, the the, the pricing incentives haven't been set uh, everywhere to the level that that you would need to see to uh, to really drive uh, renewables adoptions beyond beyond what we're seeing now. Now, I think you know I do think this is clearly you could you could talk about whether we're going fast enough or not fast enough. But I, I think when you look at the at the, at the world, clearly um, the incentives for renewable adoption are there um, and and they are increasing. Um, over time, so clearly it's a trend that we're all gonna 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 have to adapt to and prepare for, and that's what we're doing in 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 most, if not every, utility in the country. So, in your view, uh, Joseph, is the plumbing put in place? So, 
Are we ready yet to suppose suddenly tomorrow we have a lot many more sources and the regulations ease up and we are allowed to use renewable to whatever nth degree? Are we ready for it or we are just waiting for even investments made to rethink our architecture, the infrastructure, the people, the processes to adopt renewable because we don't know when that is going to be opened up? Fully. No, I would say. I mean, I would say, Sanjay, we, we're. I mean, we're ready. Definitely, we're ready for more. The, um, the, um, you know, are we ready for a hundred percent renewables? I would say no, but we're, you know, we're ready for, for quite a bit more than than what we have today. And at the same time, we're preparing for, for, um, you know, percentage of renewable sources that are in the in the high teens and, and maybe even beyond fifty percent. That will require a number of investments in technology. It will require a number of investments in battery storage once you start to get to high percentages. Because again, you can't, you can't always rely on, well, definitely not the sun, but not even the wind on those sources being there constantly. So you're going to have to store some, the battery storage will have to play a, a balancing and a leveling role. Now batteries, as we all know, they're just now starting to get produced at, at scale. They're still relatively expensive. Um, and they are, uh, they are an obstacle to, you know, electrification of vehicles uh, to a, you know, uh, utility scale battery storage that's still very, very expensive. Technically, can it be done? Yes, absolutely. Um, are we doing some of that? Yes. We have a number of pilots in, in different geographies. A number of utilities are working with, uh, with customers and different stakeholders to start to deploy um, storage in areas where there may be congestion, electric congestion, and instead of building more capacity, we're going to call it legacy capacity approaches. We're taking new approaches that are combined renewables with battery storage, but that's still at the early stage. Um, now, we're, we're not at a point in, in, in most parts of the country where you couldn't take on more renewables without storage. Uh, we can take now more renewables and balance that variability with traditional sources of energy and with the current, we we'll call it legacy grid. If you start to dismantle more and more of the legacy grid, then battery storage will have to play a role. And that, I would say, we're not we're not at the scale where we need to be. But as I said earlier, I mentioned nuclear. Again, nuclear is a great way. You know, it's it's a great bridge technology for us to decarbonize um, and at least keep the current levels of of carbon-free energy sources in parts of the country like New Jersey, 97% of all clean energy and clean, I'll define it as carbon-free, comes from nuclear sources. 3%, 4% comes from traditional renewables. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, room and a lot of a lot of progress that needs to be done to to rely on exclusively what you you would call renewable energy, um, you know, net of nuclear. So I remember having a conversation with quite a few utility uh, CIOs, and and that goes back, I think, three or four years when we were talking about smart grid and other type of things were taking, you know, uh, they were they were starting out, and there was a chronic issue with aging infrastructure, aging workforce, and the processes which may not be suited, well suited for the newer approach to energy management. If mm-hmm. you were to uh, give your two cents, so let's take a quick break. I think we should come back from the break and then talk about this. But then what do you think is the current state? Have we come farther enough that whatever the core issues, those those foundational issues that uh, the energy industry was facing, have they been fixed? How What has been done so far? What's the learning and how far do we have to go before you say, yes, we are ready, we are current and we are uh, we are equipped to take on the future. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. 
Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Joseph, I'd say four or five years ago when we were covering the subject of renewable energy, etc., it was futuristic, it was new, there was a lot of excitement, but at the same time, there were a bunch of challenges. With respect to the the industry not ready for it because aging infrastructure, aging people, the processes being very closely mapped to the, the traditional energy sources and distribution and generation. So if you were to look back last five years, would you say now you're fully good to go and gung-ho about this and industry is all ready to welcome this new age of energy transformation? Yeah, I definitely think there, there's there's... You know, I, 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 when I talk to other utilities, and certainly within our company at PSCG, I don't think there's anyone who does not support um, the migration to towards cleaner, sustainable sources of energy. They are, you know, many many utilities are working with uh, at the federal level, working with the, their states, the areas they support in the United States, and and trying to advance and working with uh, different administrations to move forward there. The, the, the drive and the progress towards the cleaner energy sources in New Jersey, we have, you know, we have, and that we've launched a number of programs around, um, particularly in solar. We're very intense in solar, but so we've, we've done specific customer groups. So we did a, you know, a, um, quite a campaign with hospitals. We did something with uh, schools, with, uh, you know, municipal buildings where working with the state and the utility, we had incentives and, and try to motivate and drive the migration towards uh, solar uh, panels for as a as a complement to energy. We also have in here in New Jersey we have the largest uh, pole top uh, solar deployment in the world. We have hundreds of thousands of uh, solar panels that hang off um, this you know electric poles and um, you know and then contribute to the grid in a very distributed and reliable fashion. So definitely, there is. You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to say it's easy that that everything has been changed. Uh, by no means, we we still have most of our infrastructure um, comes from legacy infrastructure. But definitely, the, the the willingness, the progress is there. We have launched in a PSCG. We launched a a program. We call it the Energy Cloud, and the whole premise of the Energy Cloud is twofold. One is to drive, uh, you know, drive our solutions and our architecture both on the at the grid management level as well as the technology level to prepare facilitate and accelerate uh, some of the migrations towards a clean energy future and I talked earlier about that variability and and the need for real-time systems uh, artificial intelligence you know edge computing IOT uh, all that data that needs to be collected and processed for these renewable sources and variable sources, we're, we're preparing big time on that. And the other thing that's happening, I think you, you see more and more customers, um, you know, have one, used to be, and it still is, I think, for the most part, electricity is still a commodity service and, and so is gas. Customers, are they become more dependent on electricity and become more sensitive to uh, elements like sustainability or affordability or things they care about. And, and more and more customer experience in the retail world, in the services world, become, when I say, lifestyle-centric. 
Um, so customers are now starting to think about energy as also something that needs to fit their lifestyle, whether they care for affordable energy, whether they care for um, sustainable energy, whether they care for reliable energy. depends on the customer type. And we as utilities need to uh, collect and leverage uh, some of the data we get from smart thermostats, from smart meters, from, uh, in the future, electric vehicle chargers to, uh, to really get to know our customers as individuals, as entities, you know, we call it segments of one, and, and be able to proactively advise them and provide them with, with marketing programs and means and ways to consume energy in a way that fits their lifestyle and fits their, their desires. And that's something that, you know, we're prepared. We make a number of investments in, in CRM, in customer relationship management, in artificial intelligence to really anticipate what we call next best action for each customer. Um, so the utilities are really, I think, I think they're starting to grasp the need to transform what we do to transform our people, our processes, our view of our customers and our market and shift from commodity, a, a very commodity asset intensive model to, to, uh, you know, a services provider, a trusted advisor that, uh, that, that gets compensated potentially different. So, so clearly we're, we're, we're making progress and, and believing that, but it's not only utilities, you know, we're regulated uh, entities. So regulators all across uh, different states need to also, you know, look at themselves and need to be progressive and need to look at how to, uh, you know, what are the business models of the future? What are the compensation models of the future for utilities? What are the incentives? Um, and, and, and then adapt some of the, you know, it's the pricing and, and retool change the regulatory frameworks as well to make sure that the incentives are in place to drive towards what we want to do. Uh, New York has done very good work introducing um, what's called REF, um, you know, reinventing the energy vision to actually drive partnerships with utilities and other st- energy stakeholders in the state to really eliminate and identify and eliminate barriers towards uh, a renewable, clean future and, uh, and make sure that the right incentives are in place for all the current stakeholders to, to participate and, and engage. So, again, utilities, yeah, we're, we're working towards putting everything in place that needs to be in place. Uh, a lot's been accomplished in the last five years, more to come, but this is not something that utilities will be able to do by themselves. There has to be, you know, regulators and, and – um, and legislators that uh, provide the incentives and the frameworks for that to happen as well. So as the CIO, what's the ask from you from business? Because when it started four or five years ago, what were you busy doing? Cleaning up the shop, fixing the infrastructure, the processes, the people, and and what, what has been the journey so far? Yeah, so so as CIO, what we, you know, what was the five years ago, um, we were, you know, we were, um, so, so in, in companies like ours in utilities or companies with strong engineering backgrounds, uh, asset management, reliability, uh, very scientific type of cultures, the um, success, you, you know, being successful, uh, having the credibility to, to really engage in, at the strategic level, a lot of that goodwill comes from delivering Good performance, solid, stable, reliable performance, right? Walking, walking the talk, but then walking the walk and doing that consistently. So in the last five years, we've, we, we were, you know, really working on a little bit of a plan bill run organization where we were, we're trying to achieve excellence in operations and excellence in project delivery. And, and that's where we focused. And as we became better and better that we, um, we started to gain the goodwill and the credibility and a seat at the table with our business. And then when you, as I said earlier, when you start to look at what the future will bring, which is more data to run the grid, more data to anticipate customer needs, we took a step back and looked at our current processes, which were very still waterfall, um, you know, large project. And our platforms were, for the most part, on-premise, you know, difficult to change, not, not, not really conducive to innovation. Every time you want to change something, it's expensive. You have massive amounts of regression tests, and, and you quite never get, 
you know, in the waterfall model, exactly what, what the customer wanted. The customer has changed opinions uh, and their desires during the project. So at the end, you, you get, you know, you get something that is not necessarily what you, what you thought you were going to get because what you wanted to get at the beginning has evolved and you, our processes were an obstacle to evolving along. So we then started to, after establishing a good, reliable um, excellence in operations that made us credible with the business, we started to change ourselves and look at, um, at agile processes. We, we adopted agile without a DevOps, you know, design thinking. We have now about 75% of our projects are running agile methodology. And the whole concept here was to create a seat within the company to work differently, to work in a way that was much more responsive and fuel variable, same way that our energy markets will be. You know, they're less predictive and less constant and more variable. So we had to adopt a mindset that was consistent with that, right? Um, we had to learn as, as, as a department, we had to learn to be as a department, but then beyond as a department, as a company, to be more flexible and more adapt to integrating change and supporting change. So we started digging on Agile. We, we migrated more of our platforms to the cloud. We have a, a strong partnership with one of the major um, public service, uh, public cloud providers. And the whole premise there was, well, we're going to need more artificial intelligence, augmented reality, um, you know, Hadoop processing for these big data sets that come from the smart grid. And it's just not, it's just not uh, realistic to expect we're going to be able to invest at scale in all this, in developing all these utilities. So we established a partnership with, um, say, with a public cloud provider that has, uh, you know, builds and develops those uh, solutions. And then for us, we have to learn, well, how do we, how do we, again, how do we tweak our agile processes to our organization, our engagement with the, with the business to really take, be able to take advantage of these cloud platforms that we're, uh, that we're partnering with. So we've been working on an internal transformation around, um, you know, how we work. Uh, we deployed uh, what we call two pizza teams. That's a, that's a concept that represents, you know, a small team working agile where if it takes more than two pizzas to feed them, they, you know, they are, means that you have too many people. You have to go to, to a smaller group. We're empowering those teams to make a lot of decisions. We have a product manager that's fully empowered to, to evolve the product future and, and release schedule on those products. And then the other thing we did is we migrated. We're in the process of migrating from a plan, build, run organization to a, to a products-based organization where we fund uh, products based on the business needs. We we establish uh, teams, the two pizza teams that work on different products, and we have group product managers that manage, uh, you know, a group of these two pizza teams. So we're reinventing how we think of ourselves, our processes, and we're working with the business to help them do the same on their end. And and that's what we've been doing over the last couple of years. Have been really working with the business in this energy cloud transformation and helping them start. The, to adopt agile methodologies within the business beyond IT, and we've made a number of progress. We've, you know, we're, we've built an Alexa channel this way in in a very short period of time. We are um, we're digitizing through machine learning uh, prints from pipelines, and you think of it, some of the some of the engineering drawings that capture where the assets are. The pipelines evolves the transformers out in. Through the territory, those were those are all paper prints that date back to 1912. We had them digitized in the sense that they are PDF, but they weren't geocoded. We we, we didn't have them uh, properly uh, the the proper geolocation for all of those assets in our GIS geographical information system. So now we have we build a, in the process of building a machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, utility that can scan those maps and digitize them, and then we can build a number of additional automation, uh, augmented reality functions on top of that geo, you know, set of geocoded assets. So, um, so we've been, as I said, working with our internal customers, the utility, to, to, drive, to drive adoption of these new technologies in a way that is much faster. And that's very, you know, for a company like ours that is used to large projects, 
uh, building substation, building power plants, very predictable outcomes. There's been quite a bit of cultural change that's been required and that we're still going through to be able to deal with a little bit less defined uh, outcomes um, or a little less prescriptive approach to project delivery and much more agile and iterative. Um, and that's what we've been working in the last you know, 18 to 24 months. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, we'll be right back. And let's talk about the customer's viewpoint. So does customer really care? Would they pay more for lighting the same light bulb if supplied with a clean energy source? Yes, people want to be conscious citizens and, and push for that agenda. But when it comes to the actual dollars and cents behind any such investments, because it will require investment, What's going to drive it? How will the energy uh, companies from energy industry going to benefit? Of course, the, the, as a citizen and as a country and as a, uh, as a as a society and as a globe, we will benefit from this. But those could be altruistic goals. But when it comes down to the brass tacks and the dollars and cents, what's going to drive it so that we are able to make it um, a compelling business case and a real business case. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjoe Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Joseph, over the weekend at a party, I could see myself included discussing about how important it is for us to go clean with our energy. But come Monday, when I see the utility bill, I want to reduce it. When it comes to dollars and cents, is the customer driving this or... Is there a, 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 a fiscal reason why anyone would go clean? Yeah, I think that's a good question, Sanjay. I mean, I think, I mean, it's hard to, we should talk about the customer. There's only one customer, right? There, there isn't only one customer. We have multiple segments. There are some folks, some studies say it's 10 to 15% um, of the customer base who, who really are very, um, you know, really concerned about carbon and they're willing to pay whatever, yeah, I say whatever, but you know, they're, they're willing to pay a little bit more to have clean energy. Um, I, I do think that the minority, and if you have to look at what's going on now with, for instance, cars with all the large you know, trucks and SUVs being sold because gas is so cheap, you would, you would, you would have to conclude that not everybody's as carbon conscious as, as well as a subset of the population. Uh, but there's a couple things here going on. One is some, some of these, decisions are going to be made, uh, are going to be policy-driven, right? I mean, you can see China, you can see Europe, you can see some, some political sectors here in the United States that are just going to believe in, a, as you said, in a greater good and, um, and are going to drive some of these 
changes, your electric bill, I mean, the electric bill is still a relatively small, you know, percentage of household expenditures. Um, so an increase in the electric bill of, you know, five, two, three, four percent would be a relatively small increase in, in household expenditures. We are very cost sensitive. We're always looking to make sure that our customers pay less for our energy. Um, so, and we, that will continue. And there will be two, you know, so there's two things, two additional elements. One here as as a battery scale, as solar panels, uh, the volumes, and uh, there's more penetration of uh, wind and different renewable sources. The price points and the cost of those are going down. And I think you're going to get to a point where they're just not more expensive um, necessarily if they're done right and if they're done at scale, right? So, so when you have utility uh, scale solar, so not necessarily rooftops, but when you take uh, part of the parts of the country and you build massive solar farms and, and wind farms, those are probably, you know, those may be competitive in some parts of the country already with, um, with a regular, more traditional energy sources. Um, but, you know, again, the economics, if you look at the, the trends for, for photovoltaic and, and other technologies, in renewables are coming down. I think you're going to continue to see technology innovation that will bring those price points uh, lower, and um, and that that you know partner with uh, with an increasing desire, I think, in, in legislatures and countries around the world to become more 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 clean and sensitive will eventually make this be the way that prevails in the future, in my view. So, uh, Joseph, when we are talking about the discussion that we have had so far, and you mentioned about how you ended up uh, cleaning up your IT shop, putting in DevOps, talking about Agile. Now, all of that is being done across industry, and people are trying to optimize their IT processes. But if you look at utility and, and the energy industry, they had many more industry-centric infrastructure, which is also to some extent enabled with information, enabled with technology. What is being done or what has been done over the last few years where it has now, you can perhaps you could then claim that yes, we are ready at all different levels, at infrastructure level as well, to take on renewable energy and scale our operations in the right direction. So at the utility level, we have deployed, uh, we're in the process of deploying actually uh, different tool sets and technologies that are focused around renewable integration. A key one, for instance, is something called DERMS, Distributed Energy Resource Management uh, Systems. And what, what they do is they provide operators of, uh, you know, the electric grid with uh, an ability to manage solar panels, um, you know, wind farms, and make sure that the variability that I introduced into, you know, it's compatible, so to speak, with the rest of, um, of um, you know, electric sources and generation sources that we manage. So we've been making a number of investments in that area. We also have a, um, investments in something called ADMS, or Advanced, Manage uh, Advanced Distribution Management Systems that allow us to take advantage of, um, you know, more data, and better data that we get from smart homes and and uh, different connected and smart devices like reclosers, transformers, you know, capacitor banks, inverters, to really manage the grid in a way that is, as I said, it, it's it's a uh, it's it it continues to be as predictable and as reliable for our customers as it's always been, while our sources of energy are not as predictable and as reliable as as they've been in the past. We have, um, um, you know, we've made a number of investments through the territory, and and uh, and that's been, you know, that's what allowed us to to make a number of improvements and and uh, programs with in New Jersey, for instance, to adopt solar at the, as I mentioned earlier with uh, with pole tops. With uh, New Jersey is one of the top five. I was at one point, I'm sure what, you know, what it is now, but at one point in the last few years was like the fourth state in the country with, um, with uh, renewable adoption. So we've been preparing and working here in the state to, to be able to, um, to, uh, you know, to prepare for this future, make it a reality today. 
Now, when you are looking at the, you know, this, these efforts, is this something which is happening and we are reacting to how the government intervention is or what new compliance mandates are brought up? Or is there some sort of a blueprint or a holy grail that you have designed thinking that this is where we ought to get to and this is how not only you as an individual uh, energy company but an ecosystem that may be there with other partners you have to right, get to together. Question. Yeah, that's a question. I mean, I would say, I would call it reactive. Clearly, we're working very closely with the regulators. Um, we have a regulatory framework that we need to operate, you know, within the constructs of. Uh, so we work very closely with uh, the different administrations in the state and to, to make sure that our solutions and our programs reflect public interest and public policy. So we... It's somewhere in between. We're not reactive, but we're not uh, out there, you know, standalone by ourselves. Um, clearly, as I said, regulators and legislators are, are key partners and stakeholders here. In in the future, though, as we as we deploy some of these solutions, which we call the Energy Cloud, and we build a platform on which energy will be managed and data will be collected to manage the electric grid, the smart grid, and to anticipate customer needs. Our vision is that that will be an open platform where others can come and, and uh, contribute data, consume data, and, and um, you know, to extend that customers allow us to access to that data and the privacy rights are, are obviously protected at, at, at all times. If other companies and other stakeholders, where they are retailers, where they are uh, other utilities, where there are companies that provide energy advisory services, um, devices, smart home devices, smart city devices, we want to have an open platform where anyone can come and build products and services and offer them to our customers in partnership with us or independently and, and try to advance the, um, the, um, you know, the services and increment increment the value that our customers derive from the utility. For instance, you know, AMI networks are a perfect, you know, AMI advanced metering infrastructure, smart meter networks are a great, a great example. We have, you know, deployed uh, an AMI network that covers our entire service area, and we use it to drive to, at this point, to move metering data, but there's a lot of other data that can be, that can travel on that network. Could be, uh, you know, water in the basement, Detection systems could be a gas leak detection. So there could be others who want to come and put devices and offer devices to our customers and then leverage our AMI network to get some of that data back and forth. Um, so we're very open to partnerships. We're very open to, you know, expanding the usage of the investments we've made with, um, with others if that drives incremental value to our customers. But that has to be always in partnership and in accordance and symphony with our with our regulators um, so that we we continue to evolve and and uh, work within the regulatory framework we have so when you're looking at all of these different regulations and our demands that are placed is there a, a realism to those to say okay this is the goal that we have and we have to get to this percentage of clean energy is that just being thrown out there and are you able to create a rather a predictable roadmap to say yes i will get to this point and these are our respective milestones and based on that we are going to align our technology align our people and our processes yeah every every um yeah, most states, I would say everybody, as I said earlier, most states have a, some sort of a renewable portfolio standard here in New Jersey. Uh, the new administration just uh, you know, set a set a very progressive and aggressive clean energy goals uh, that stated by 50% of renewable energy by 2030. Uh, they have some goals for battery storage, uh, you know, 600 megawatts by 2021 and 2000 by 2030. Uh, they're also looking at offshore wind, so there's clearly a policy aspect to this, and we utilities and others are uh, working with with the state to to make that a reality. I think it's a matter of investment. Technically, as I said earlier, technically it can all be done. Uh, countries have done it, and other states have have, have done it at, in in different parts of the country. So, excuse me, a country in the world. So it can all be done. There's nothing. There's nothing that is necessarily you know a cloud dream that is unattainable. 
Um, but it does require a commitment, as I was talking earlier, to, to funding it, and it does require uh, utilities like ours to transform and prepare for that future, and that's what we've been working for for, uh, if uh, for the first few years. So if I were to ask you as the CIO, what's left to be desired still, which is holding you back from giving everything the business wants to meet its own goals based on whatever has been laid out as by the government or by the ecosystem or by the organization that you belong to? Yeah, so for us, we there's two areas we're working on. One is we want to, we have to get better at collecting and deploying sensors um, in every home or in different you know, commercial industrial customers where we get more insights into how they consume energy, what their preferences of lifestyle are, uh, and that can range from when they charge vehicles to how they prefer, you know, what, what type of uh, settings they prefer in the home so that if we're going to be automating, if we're going to be optimizing energy usage across the state and minimizing the, the infrastructure deployments, we have to be able to chase peaks, right? I mean, we you think about a utility, we have to be prepared for the peak demand, and we have to serve during peak demand if we don't want to have outages or reliability problems. So we can invest for that, or we can try to manage that peak demand, which would result in also lowering the investment requirements that that we have to that we have to plan for. So for us to manage that big demand, we need a number of insights uh, that w- will allow us to pro- programs like demand response, uh, programs like smart thermostat that maybe the utility can tweak and manage through the territory to, again, lower that big demand through, through better usage and smart usage of energy. So that needs to be, that's an area where we, we need more, a better ability to collect data and a better ability to uh, manage that, that energy demand. In a way that's transparent to customers, in a way that's reliable for customers, so they can trust us and and give us the, you know, the ability to do that for them. Um, so data is an area. The other thing we we're working on earlier, uh, I mentioned, is on creating an engine that we call the next best action engine, which is fundamentally will take all this data, and based on customer lifestyle preferences, patterns, um, different interactions they've had with us, and you know, how we know those customers want to be treated, um, with from, again, affordability, sustainability, different priorities that customers have, that we can anticipate better for them what what the right action for us to take with them would be. So whether it's, uh, you know, changing, changing parameters in the energy we supply to them because it's specifically, you know, it's maybe more expensive, delaying some loads, delaying some electrical chargers, you know, Doing, doing things we want to do, we need the insights into how those customers are, and we need the ability to process that data. So that's the whole data and customer um, insights, customer and aspects, next best action is, is an area where we're improving and need to make more investments. Um, and then, you know, we've made a, a, a lot of investments already in the, what we call smart operations, in um, the, the smart grid and instrumenting the smart grid so we have we have a fair amount of data there that that we use for for reliability and make sure that the system is stable and now we're at the point as I mentioned earlier as well to make investments in things like the distributed energy resource management systems that will allow us to scale um, into high high you know majority of sources over the next you know probably a decade or two decades where the majority of the energy we consume comes from renewables, right? So that's going to be, we have some time together. As I said, the, the, the state has a goal at this point of uh, 50% by 2030. So we have, um, we have some time to get there, and that's where, that's where we're making investments um, at this point in time. And when you are looking at the support that you need, from your business uh, leaders and, and of course, uh, the legislators and others. Are you finding anything that is preventing you from charging ahead? No, I wouldn't say there's anything preventing us from charging ahead. Um, um, you know, like, like, as I said, you know, it, has to be, it has to be funded. We're working on different programs 
internally and, and with our customers and stakeholders to to put forward roadmaps to enable this future. Um, and some of those have been funded, some of those have not been funded. But other than that, we have to, uh, you know, the rest will, we, we have we have the ability and the capacity to, to get it done. And one final question I have is, if you were to look at any of these uh, emerging technologies, the way they are coming, I know you mentioned some of them, but then like you're talking about the AI and the machine learning and the deep learning and, and maybe something else which is coming down the pike. Are you guys positioned as energy industry as a whole to leverage it in some way so that your future is brighter than what is today? Well, so we're, that's an area where, you know, if you think about utilities, we're probably um, generally uh, slow to adopt, you know, cloud solutions. We like to control what we do and we like to control what we do because we have to operate when nobody else does, right? We... We have to operate during hurricanes, during uh, earthquakes, at all times, and that's actually when it's even more critical that we operate is when, when there are uh, situations of distress in our territories. So that's driven a behavior that is more around: hey, I, I need to control, I need to manage, I need to be have architectures that I can really design for high availability. So, but that also requires large investments. When you that you have to build yourself, and I think that's just not a sustainable model. When you talk about new technologies, we we can't afford uh, an AI platform, we can't afford a machine learning, an IoT platform, you know, building a voice computing platform, a mental reality platform, so on and so forth. If we're going to buy it and build it all in house, in my view, it's a much more cost effective and a much faster uh, deployment cycle if we can leverage some cloud solutions, and that's what we're building partnerships with. I think as an industry, we need to get better at that um, because that's the only way we're going to be able to afford and do what we need to do in uh, with the time frames that we have to get things done. It's going to be through partnerships, uh, leveraging some of those engines that we talked about. So I would say probably essentially the one thing that we need to get better at as an industry, and we're trying to very hard to do that within PSCGs and leveraging uh, you know cloud solutions and adopting those into our companies in a way that is secure and in a way that um, it's architected to ensure that the reliability that is expected of us and that we've been providing with on-premise infrastructure continues to be uh, met with, with, uh, with large components of our infrastructure running in the cloud. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, Joseph, for sharing your views on how the energy industry is fundamentally rethinking its processes, people, and tools to be able to transform and be more sustainable as the time comes and uh, for the future. Thanks so much again. Thanks, Sanjay. Take care. And I uh, hope, uh, listeners, you enjoyed. I learned a lot from what's going on in the energy industry and how they're using technology. Please like us on Facebook. Search for CTN. That's CIO Talk Network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter uh, and join our LinkedIn community. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.